So we've been in this series, Indescribable Gift, the Indescribable Gift. And as we've talked about this over the past three weeks, we've looked at the idea, what if someone were to come to you and offer you the greatest gift that you can imagine? The most amazing idea behind a gift that you could comprehend. And we, we use surfing as an example, and we use outdoor hunting, fishing. We used the idea, if you love to shop, and somebody picking you up in a plane and taking you to New York, then Paris, then L.A., with unlimited amount of money and all this different stuff. But at the end of the day, we looked at all these different gifts. At the end of the day, here's what we figured out. Some way, somehow, in our language, we could describe those because we would have pictures to prove it, right? Because we all have to take pictures of everything we do now right? And post them everywhere, right? I was in the bathroom the other day and saw a picture of, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like, I'm serious. I think that's the next step, right? Like a flat screen in the bathroom so you can post and see what everybody else is doing. Don't do that. But but we would have a way to describe that. Yet Paul, and and we'll we'll see this in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Paul's talking to Christians and saying, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for being the light of the world. Thanks for helping the poor, da 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 But he's talking about giving gifts. And then he gets to this point, and he says this at the end, end of that passage, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, this is Paul, Paul who wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul who was handpicked as a child, Paul who was educated, Paul who had studied, Paul who had met Jesus on the road, Paul who had been beaten and shipwrecked and naked and hungry, Paul who had been kicked out of cities, Paul whose whole reality was Jesus. That's, that's, that was Paul's whole life. Like I know a lot of us will leave here today and Jesus is part of our life, right? We fit that in. We fit a Christmas service in. We fit Sunday morning in and it's part of our life. Here is Paul. Jesus was his whole life. He had met Jesus in such an unbelievable way. It wrecked him to the point that he gave his life to spread the gospel and plant churches for Jesus Christ. So this is Paul. If anyone on the earth at that time knew Jesus Christ, it was Paul. Very educated, not at a lack of words. Yet how does Paul describe Jesus in verse 15, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians? Indescribable. Out of all that Paul knew about Jesus, all he could come up with was this gift in Jesus, this gift that we celebrate during this Christmas season, indescribable. And, and maybe you're here today and you've never experienced Jesus. I can tell you it's indescribable. For those of us who are on the journey right now, we would tell you it's indescribable because we know ourselves, We know our imperfections. We know that we're creatures of sin, yet God still loved us so much, he sent his only son to die for us. You look at Isaiah 9, 6, and it says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be up on his, uh, up on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's not a Christmas scripture. That is a God that loved you so much he sent his only son. And that's the prophet Isaiah saying, hey, this is what he's going to be called. We talked about that last week. So we're going to build a bridge today to peace. Peace is an interesting word, isn't it? We strive for peace. We, we look to different things for peace in our life. We, we touched on that just a little bit last week. But for those of you who aren't here, peace is sought after. There are many of us in this room and in the overflow room right now that may go home tonight and have so much on our plate or different relational things going on or different family things or work things or financial things that we, we look to different 
avenues for peace in our life when the only true peace that we can have is through God, through him sending his only son, which is why we celebrate this time of year. So let's build a bridge to peace, and that's where we'll wind up today. So number one, the indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1, 23, the virgin will be with child and will give him birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. John says it like this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So Emmanuel, God with us. So God becomes man. He is born by the virgin, uh, virgin birth through Mary and then begins to live a sinless life, all God, all man, and he walks among his creation. Everything that we know was created in him and through him, and now we have the creator born of a virgin, a son given to us, who is now walking the earth and, and walking among, if you will, the students, his creation. So we have Emmanuel. So I want to say this to you, as we've said over the past two or three weeks, do not disconnect yourself today, no matter where life finds you, don't disconnect yourself from a God that loved you so much he came to this earth. Don't let it just be noise to you today. Don't, don't let it just be this idea of Christmas trees and gifts and lights and baby mangers and, uh, you know, all this stuff that, that we see. Don't let it just be that. Let it sink deeper. Let it go to the root of who you are and let the Holy Spirit remind you today, no matter where life finds you, that we have Emmanuel, God, with us. And he, just, he wasn't just with us as we walked, as he walked the face of this earth. He is with us even to this day. For he said, I must go away so another can come. That is the Holy Spirit. That's good news. So that's an indescribable gift. The God who created everything we know, the God who flung the stars into existence, the God God who carpeted the fields with grass, that God, that same God, came to this earth to walk with us. Now, why did he do that? Well, number two, we'll see the indescribable gift of a high priest. So now we have God becoming man, walking among, among us, Emmanuel, God with us, so that he could become our high priest. Now, don't miss the cultural reference here, because before Jesus came, religion was supreme, and you had to sacrifice things, and you had to go to the high priest, and the high priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies, and there was a whole hierarchy of how we approached God. Well, Hebrews 4, 15, 16, we'll stop at 15, says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So now we have Emmanuel, God with us. God had to come because what religion couldn't do, he had to do, which was conquer sin, conquer the grave, conquer death, so that he overcame the world so that we could overcome the world. So now we have a God that becomes all man, and he is our high priest, and he walks among us, yet lives without sin. In every way that you're tempted, Jesus was tempted. No, surely not. Jesus didn't have laptops. (laughs) You don't think Jesus had little road groupies? Seriously, think about this for a second. This dude 
We know he was, he was a carpenter, and a carpenter in that day meant more of a stonemasonry because most stuff was made out of stone. And so he, his hands and his muscles were probably pretty developed. And now on top of that, he's going around healing people. Right? Don't think. The Bible says we have a, he's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So we have Emmanuel, God with us. He came here so that he could be our high priest. Why is it so important for us to have a high priest, to know that we serve a Savior that was tempted in every way we are, yet live without sin? He overcame. Verse 16 tells us, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Remember, we're building a platform to peace. So we have Emmanuel, God, with us, which moves us into a place of having a high priest, And it's so important for us to have a high priest. He overcame sin that we can't overcome, but we hide ourselves in him. The Bible says we're sealed in him so that we can then approach the throne of grace with confidence. There's not one of us in this room or the overflow room right now that is not in need of grace. And if you say, I don't need grace, you need to find another church. Because we're all in need of grace. And it says, but we can approach that throne of grace, the grace that was supplied through what Jesus did for us by becoming our high priest with confidence, not embarrassed, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There is no, my wife and I, my son, were talking about a barometer of grace, a, a way to measure grace. I believe it was last night or the night before on a porch. And, and we came to the conclusion there is no way to measure grace, God's grace anyway. There's no way you can You just flow in it. And so we can approach the throne of God and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why is it important for us to understand the indescribable gift of a high priest? Because through approaching the throne of grace with confidence and finding mercy and finding grace in our time of need, we're made righteous. So number three, the indescribable gift of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin... Jesus, to be sin for us, you and I, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I don't know what your background is. I don't know, you know, I don't know all of you, obviously, in this room, in the overflow room. The four services we'll have today will look much like this. So obviously, I can't know all of you. But I know some of you, and I know me. And it is baffling to me how we have overcomplicated the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can't give enough for it. You can't work enough for it. You can't do enough bad to be bad, bad, bad. On your best day, you're bad because of sin. That's going to sell a lot of books, isn't it? (laughs) Put that at the Christian bookstore. On your best day, you're bad. That's going to get dust on it, I can assure you. But it's true. But for the grace of God, but for the grace, and that's the mystery, and that's the joy of Christianity, because we found the answer in Jesus, and but for the grace of God, Jesus would have never existed. 
But he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Goes all the way back to the fact that we're the apple of God's eye. Goes all the way through the Old Testament of God trying to restore the children of Israel back to him. It's a love letter. It's God saying, I love my creation. Hey, Jason, I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to send my only son so that you can become righteous in my sight. Jesus did what religion couldn't do. Religion checks the box. Jesus annihilated the box and said, it is finished. So we celebrate this indescribable gift this time of year because of the great grace we receive through the high priest, which makes us righteous. Nothing you can do any day of your life can make you righteous. I don't care what you were taught. If you read this Bible, you figure out really quick that none of us are righteous in our own right. We're, we're born into sin. I've said this before, but it's, it's worth saying again. If you don't think we're born into sin, go back to, to like the two- and three-year-old room one Sunday, get a pass, get a security pass, stand at the window, and throw one toy in the room. I dare you. You think UFC sold a bunch of pay-per-view. You could sell that stuff. They, they go, it's because, because that's just who we are. And so even, even in our innocence, that's who we are. And so you take this idea of righteousness in the eyes of God can only come through a high priest, and the high priest could only come through Emmanuel, God with us. So through that righteousness, you still with me? We're building a platform to peace. God made him who, who had no sin to be, become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him. Not in us. Someone else did something that made us sinners, and that was Adam. And someone else did something that made us righteous in God's sight, and that was Jesus Christ. In him. I'm sealed up in him. When Jesus look, I mean, when God looks at me, he doesn't see just me. He sees me through the lens of what Jesus did for me. The sacrifice. The Lamb of God. That, that is the, the great mystery of Christianity, and it's the great joy. We, we, we just sang about joy. Don't lose me. I'm almost done. You still with me? All right. Told you the kids were going to pay better attention. I knew it. Emmanuel, God with us, a high priest that's, that then brings the indescribable gift of righteousness. And then, and then we, we go from righteousness to number four, the indescribable gift of victory. So if... If I'm righteous in the eyes of God, then I've won. But I've not only won because I'm now made right in God's sight. I've won because Jesus won. You know, he was in the garden and he said, not my will, but your will be done. So, so let's fast forward a little bit from the virgin birth through the high priest living a sinless life, through us being made righteous. And let, let's just, let's jump forward to Easter because that's the next time I'm going to see some of you. So, <laughs> so I might as well, in case you have car trouble that day, I might as well go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm glad you're here today. Today could change your life. The indescribable gift of victory, Luke 24, 1 through 7, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Victory. Victory. See, the silicone Christianity says, let me check the box, let me be religious, but at the end of the day, I do not associate the rest of my life with a real God who loved me so much with a real love that sent his real son to die for me on a real cross. They placed him in a real grave. He rose from that grave on the real third day, and he's in heaven today making intercession for me so that I have been made the righteousness of God. So we, we, we don't associate those two, but I'm here today to rip the, the, the blinders off and say this is a very real thing. After all the world and the devil has tried to take away from Christianity, he succeeded a lot, and it's our own fault. Christmas yet still stands. Figure that one out. Figure that one out. People still acknowledge Christmas, and Easter still stands. It's split time. And so here we're sitting today, God with us, high priest, We've been made righteous, and now through that, we have victory. He overcame sin and death in the grave so that we could overcome sin, death, and the grave. Simple. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we go shopping and buy gifts, hopefully. That, that's, that's why that, that we spend money on days like today, and that's why it's going to snow outside. It don't, don't, we're not trying to impress any of you. We're just worshiping God for sending his only son, and we're celebrating Jesus Christ. Yeah. So you walk through that progression. It gets us all the way to victory. Jesus comes out of the grave. We, we have victory in Jesus. Now, Emmanuel, God with us, high priest, next platform. We go to being righteous in God's sight, next platform. We have an opportunity to live in victory. And then... Through that progression, we land with the Prince of Peace. The indescribable, last thing, the indescribable gift of peace. We started this message today, and we talked just a little bit about how peace is, it's an interesting concept. It's a concept, it's, it's something that our whole world strives after. We try to get peace by having enough money in the bank, and we think, you know what? If we get ahead and we have enough money and our nest egg is good, then we can sleep good at night. Or we, we try to buy peace, or we try to rationalize peace. We try to take trips for peace. We do all kinds of crazy stuff for peace. Would you agree? It's not just me, is it? Right, okay, yeah, we, we do that, we, and we, we think in our own right that we can figure this thing out. But as we discussed last week, there, there is a peace that came through Jesus' birth. There's a peace that we can have every day of our life living in victory. And then there's a peace that we can have for eternity. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the idea. In my sin, before... I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm not at peace with God. God is wooing me. God is chasing me. God is loving me. God has written me this amazing love letter he wants me to read. God is just running after me full bore. 
God gets to the point where he says to all creation, there's nothing else I can do. I'm going to send my only son, that which was most important to me. And through God doing that, he created a way for us to be at peace with him. And that's through Jesus. That's what Romans 5.1 says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. That word justified right there means to be made right in the eyes of. If I go to court and, and someone is accusing me of something and a defender comes, my defender, my attorney comes and makes my case and my case is true and the jury says, you know what? He is not guilty. At that point, I am justified in the eyes of the law. I am made right in the eyes of the law and all charges are dropped, right? We understand that. That's what Jesus did for us in the eyes of God. God is the plumb line. He is holy. He can't be around sin, but he loved us so much it caused him to send his only son to die for us. And in the cosmic courtroom and the enemy comes to accuse us of all the bad things that we have done, and yes, we do them, Yet Jesus says, it is finished. His grace is sufficient. So God then looks at his creation and said, not because of anything you did, because of what my son did, you have been made right, justified in my eyes. I don't know how plainer to say it. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is worth celebrating. And that, my friend, is what Christmas is all about. So, so, do you have peace with God? Are you at peace with God? Can, can you honestly say right where you're sitting right now, I know that I know that I know that I'm at peace with God. Have, and how do I do that? I put my faith in Jesus. No one can do that for you. No one can do that. The Bible says you've been given a measure of faith. You have your own faith, and you get to decide what you do with that faith. That's, I love this because everybody starts squirming right now. Can you squ- all squirm at the same time and get it over with? Be a terrible church if we didn't give you an opportunity to know Jesus today. What an unbelievable Friday you could wake up on Christmas morning. And say, you know what? This is the first Christmas I've celebrated as a true child of God. And I know that I know that I know in my heart I am made right in God's eyes because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? You can have that today. But only you can deal with God on that. Only you. Will you bow your heads all over this place? Say, Jason, that's me. I would, I would definitely point towards the fact right now that I'm not sure that I'm at peace with God. But I know that he loves me and I know that he's knocking on my heart and I know by virtue of what the Bible says that I can be at peace with God today. So that's the question on the table. Not very, not very complicated. We believe the Bible here at Coastline, the Bible says the only way to be at peace with God is through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So there's a give and take there. You have the gift of faith. God's got the gift of salvation, neither of which is a gift until it's given and received. So right where you sit this morning, right there in that chair, you say, Jason, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need the assurance that I am justified and I have peace with God. 
I want to pray with you. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's moving. In the overflow room, all heads are bowed everywhere across this campus. If you are under the sound of my voice and you know that you need to put your faith in Jesus, you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we want to pray with you. Would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it back? I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I need Jesus Christ. I see your hand, bro. That's incredible. Anyone else? I need, I need Jesus in my life today. I see your hand. Thank you. Jesus is the X factor to change. He really is. Anyone else in this room today or in the overflow room? I need Jesus Christ. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's awesome. Pastor Steve's in the overflow room. He'll, he'll lead this. If you're raising your hand right now, you, what you're doing is you're just confessing in your heart. You're just confessing in your heart that you know that you need Jesus. I see your hand. Thank you. That's awesome, ma'am. Thank you. you just slide it. I see it, sir. I see them. You can put them right back down. I mean, there's couples raising their hands together, married couples. It's awesome. If you raised your hand, I want to pray with you. Go out to the tent afterwards. Get a Bible. Get a devotion. Let somebody talk with you. If you're shy and don't feel like doing that, email the church this week. A pastor will get back with you. We'll get you involved with some people that can help you on this journey. But if you raise your hand right now in this sacred moment between you and God, I want to pray with you. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. Thank you that I'm in this building today. Thank you that I'm experiencing your love. Right now, God, I'm confessing in my own heart. No one's confessing for me. I'm confessing that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin to the cross. I believe he died for my sins. I believe with all of me that they placed him in a grave. And I believe that he rose from that grave. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you've always wanted to give me. And thank you for the indescribable gift that brings that love, grace, and mercy through Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for this new season. Help me to go out to the tent, get a Bible, get a devotion. Help me to send an email. Help me to get involved in a class for the first of the year on this new journey with people that can help me. But most of all, God, let me bask in your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, don't move. I love you. If you raised your hand, go to the tent. Here, here's something that we, we do every year. So I know you've seen these bags up here. So the first couple Christmases that Raina and I came to plant this church, we didn't have a church. It was just us. It's funny. And, and so we would have communion in our den. And so as the church began to grow, we thought, let's don't lose that special time. And so in, in this bag, which we have one for each family, if you know a family couldn't be here, um, it's just some traditions that Rain and I have had for years. Here's the Christmas story. You guys still with me? These are in the overflow room also. If you're not comfortable reading the Christmas story on Christmas morning, we have put it in a format that you can read it to your family. Most importantly, there's communion elements in the bag. Wake up Christmas morning before you do anything else. Have communion with your family. If you say, well, isn't that the pastor's job? No, it's your job in your house. Do it. We've made it really simple for you. One of our traditions also, on 23rd, 24th, is a happy birthday Jesus cake. Do it. It's health food. And then there's some other gifts in there, one of which is a Coastline uh, Christmas ornament. It's got a switch on the top of it. It lights up and blinks. Yeah. Nobody said woo about the communion. 
Did you notice that? Good. Will you stand with me? And the last thing that we do, and there will be this will be cut up outside. We're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus because that's what this time of year is about. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Happy Happy birthday to you. Hey, you're dismissed. Come get your bag and enjoy outside. Love you. Merry Christmas. There is joy.